In this podcast recorded at the Moot Eucharist on the Sunday before Lent 2012, Ian Mogsby explores the theological and cosmological implications of Shalom in the Hebrew Bible and the Kingdom of God in the New Testament. The writings of Isaiah become the founding vision of Jesus as he launched his mission in the synagogue of Nazareth. In so doing, Jesus births Christianity as an expression of the Hebrew hope of the restoration of all things into right relationship with the divine. Peace in the city. The Hebrew word shalom, which we translate into English as peace, cannot be translated easily. It is a deeply theological and cosmological word. It is a word that encompasses everything that the Jews believe God is seeking to do to restore the world. So when a Jew says shalom, it is not some sort of weak response. They are saying literally, hello, and I welcome you to share with me the incredible purposes of God expressed in the miracle of life as God continues to build and restore all things. It is amazing how one word can mean so much. It goes far beyond the English word for peace. It is a rich word with many nuances. It means completeness, wholeness, safety, fullness and welfare. It is relational. Peace happens within communities and among people. There is an understanding that shalom is joyful and happy, even in adversity. When used as a verb, it means to make right or to make amends and even to pay the price. The Talmud says that the entire Torah is for the sake of the ways of shalom. The rich heritage of shalom of peace cannot be reduced to single words of kind of slightly insincere. The real meaning of peace is deep and it's to do with the nature of God. As the Israelites returned to their broken city, Jerusalem, in the first text you heard from Peter today, after years of exile, they come without a strong sense of collective religious or cultural identity. They are literally hanging on to that word as security of understanding the nature of God. And they find a city without a strong leadership and struggling in its own ruins. It has no wall, there is no temple, everything has been destroyed and taken away. There is nothing, nothing there. Yet, this word, the symbol of God's love as covenant, means something in the ruins. The joy of freedom that they suddenly encounter gives way to the hardships of creating a new society. So in the passion of Isaiah's text, we hear the difficulty of the reality. It is deeply hopeful, hopeful for the future, for their now not fully yet sense of freedom. It is a vision of what life may be like for people filled with uncertainty and despair as well as a lack of hope. It is a vision of God's shalom incarnate in Jerusalem when everything about it suggests that it's not true. 
Isaiah's prophetic tradition gives the people of Jerusalem a very specific blueprint by which to rebuild their city. He offers a concrete plan for this new earth that God is creating, in which Jerusalem will be a joy. Infant mortality, mourning, homelessness and oppressive tenant farming will have no more home in this new earth. In this new city, there will be no distinction between predator and prey. They shall live in harmony. One will not devour the other in a new order. It is vital for Christians to understand how important Isaiah's vision and others like it are for the basis of Christianity. In Luke's Gospel, Jesus is portrayed as the new Isaiah. At his first public speaking, he reads out from Isaiah 58 and 61, which announces the year of the Lord's favour, the Sabbath year. And he declares that in the presence of those in the synagogue on that day, that God's Sabbath year began that day. God's holy vision for God's people embodied by the presence of God himself. It's a bold proclamation and we as followers of that Jesus need to understand just how revolutionary it is. In the Hebrew scriptures this vision is known by the word shalom. In the New Testament it is referred as the kingdom of God. And it is for this shalom, this kingdom of God, which Jesus lives, dies and for which he reigns today. Jesus receives Isaiah's vision and he brings into Galilee hundreds of years later the reality of that dream. Jesus coming proclaiming the kingdom of God, proclaiming it to those who are lost, broken, fearing uncertainty and the sense of sadness in their lives. And it's with this teaching through his healings and by the breaking of bread and in compassion by feeding others in his life as he races around the Holy Land, raising the dead, restoring communities, challenging the privileged, that we encounter the shalom in action, political action, justice and mercy at the hands of the God human being. And when he was met with violence, he did not respond with violence. God's peace, God's kingdom cannot be broken through violence. So every time he was faced by violence, he humanised the structures, whether it was the Roman Empire or the Temple Guard. As the body of Christ, is our mission any different? At Christ's hands and feet in London right here, right now, is this vision of shalom, of God's kingdom or society, any less needed? We desperately need this sense of shalom and the peace of God and the hope of things not yet experienced and received in our current ruin of this financial city where many, many feel uncertain about their futures. In our city with looming deficits, do we not need a vision of a society that cares for the common good? This is the challenge of real peace, peace that shapes our humanity and Christ's calling of the kingdom of God right here, right now. So Isaiah's scripture is about getting practical as much as it is about getting poetic pictures. Peace is about our relationships as much as it is about high ideals. Following in Isaiah's tradition, Jesus came to the world with different expectations of how we should relate to one another. He built the first ecclesial communities. Ecclesia, the root meaning of the word church, is key to understanding the nature of the kingdom of God. 
And these ecclesias were to express a profound truth about shalom and a new type of peace. The church nicked the word ecclesia from the rich ports in the Mediterranean area of the Roman Empire, sorry, which was the name for the town council, ecclesia, town council. And guess who ruled in these town councils? Yes, you got it, rich men. And so the church came along and creates a new ecclesia. And who's in these ecclesias? Women, children, slaves, all sorts of social outsiders who have no voice or place in these traditional ecclesias, standing in prophetic and radical challenge to the empire and to the emperor himself. In fact, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that the idea that these radical ecclesial communities were the reasons Christians were first persecuted, because they refused to bow down to the might is right and therefore owning the calling of Jesus that challenged the injustices of his day and ours as well. Peace begins with recognising the humanity of everyone. God's kingdom threatens the kingdoms of this world. God's vision of a new society threatens the established societies of this world that rely on privilege over others, that depend on unjust and unholy practices for the sake of a few at the expense of the many. The role of this type of church is to challenge this, un- this lack of justice as a conscious understanding of what it means to be community. So if this is true, and this is the meaning of peace, it is our job to stand with the least and to believe with God that a new earth is being built right here among our ruins, even as we struggle to envision what the new earth might be. It is our sacred duty to be a joy in a hurting world, to proclaim a way of life in which children do not die before their time or come to calamity, in which the tears of mourning and oppression are dried, in which the homeless are housed and in which the farmer no longer toils for a taskmaster by being underpaid by very large supermarkets. We are called to hold before the people a vision of peace that roots in the heart and manifests in our local communities and is extended for the sake of the emancipation of all humanity in all places in the entire world. And so this small world, Shalom, starts with us and has huge ramifications for the way we live and our own relationships in this small community. In the traditional liturgy, we attempt to mark this importance of shalom and right relationships in the sharing of the peace. Tonight, which Pete's going to lead in a minute, we're going to do this very differently. But just to say, in the ancient church, this was such an important point in the service that people would prepare themselves, prepare themselves to think about their relationships before coming to this service so that actually they acted something deeply, deeply real. So sharing the peace was not just some small tokenism of ritual action. Actually, it's about a deep sense of restoration, of hope, of bearing with people that are different from us, a way of putting things right, that realising that if we impoverish our relationships, then we impoverish our community. And we are called to find healthy, restored forms of relationship that don't diminish our sense of humanity, but actually encourage us to go deeper and and to understand ourselves as an extended family of God. So the peace is no small element of the liturgy. It names a character of God and a key mark of the church, the kingdom of God that we are called to inhabit and grow into. So shalom is about hope, is about what we're becoming, And it's a sense of how we understand Christ calling for us to follow that path 
less travelled. It's about a kingdom. A kingdom that we have no understanding, uh, that is so unusual that we do not know how to experience it, but is so radical that it seeks to restore all things back into right relationship with God. Shalom. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Moot Community Podcast. If you'd like more information on who we are and what we do, please visit www.moot.uk.net. Mm-hmm.